Explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Immig, from 88.9. Well, the safer at home order has certainly changed the way we do things here on Urban Spelunking and everywhere else in Milwaukee and around the state. And today we're talking to another industry that has also had to pivot, the craft brewers of the city. And today we're talking to one of those breweries, Enlightened Brewing in Bayview. Hey, Bobby. How's it going, Nate? Great. And you had written this piece uh, before the whole pandemic began about Enlightened Brewery's new space. Um, we've been sitting on it for a while now, and with things looking like they're going to stay locked down for a bit longer, we thought we'd go right to the source and ask the owners of Enlightened Brewery uh, just how they're changing things up in response to the pandemic. So we're joined now by the beards themselves, Tommy Vandervoort and James Larson. Hey, guys. Hello. Hey, Nate. You guys are still brewing, right? Yeah, we're actually brewing right now. I'm, I'm, I'm making sure I keep my eye on where the steam's going, and hopefully not going to make a huge mess here sitting back at the desk. But um, yeah, we're still we're still operating pretty much as normal. Um, the only thing that we're we're really focusing on from a production side is uh, just brewing beer for cans. Um, so you know. Whatever we have a label for already, we're we're putting in the tank ten times more than we would otherwise. Obviously, you know, cool, fun, you know, rewarding projects that would go on tap that we can be proud of in the tap room aren't happening. But to be honest with you, it's it's kind of nice to just say, oh, well, we're gonna make one of three beers today. Get the raw materials for that. Get the cans for that. Get everything rolling for that, and call it a day. It's kind of streamlined the whole production side, which is nice. Um, but yeah, we're we're still operating. We're still here. I'm in five, six, seven days a week still, and you know we're we're trying to limit the uh, non-essential travel for our employees. So you know only if it's absolutely necessary that they come in, they come in. Um, I'm actually picking one of them up who was uh, on the bus for the most part. So to kind of keep him a little more safe, we we provide a ride for him in the morning, and he gets picked up uh, in the afternoon. So you know it's. Apart from that, we're we're operating as normal in the back, which is good. And financially, is that um, uh, what kind of situation are you guys in in terms of having? I mean, that's you've been canning and selling beer at retail before, but that wasn't the only part of your business, right? I mean, the tap room must account for a fair portion of your business. Yeah, the the tap room was obviously very important to just make the direct connection with people that want to drink our beer. Um, and it provides just a higher margin because we're selling our own beer by the glass without any, um, you know, middleman distribution network or anything like that. So not having that is definitely a huge hit. Um, you know, revenues down easily 50%, I would say. And that, uh, obviously provides a lot of challenges for us to figure out. Overhead is roughly the same. We're still buying things on the production side, raw material and cans and everything that we need to continue making beer. It's just interesting, you know, if we're specifically thinking about the Louis Ellis building and the type of space that we created, it feels like, um, I don't know, it, it. we wouldn't have created the type of space that we have without the need for a tap room. I mean, it's just totally changed the focus of the space. Obviously we were going to be a production brewery no matter what, but 
we dedicated so much space to that tap room and our business can continue to operate, but that it's just much more quiet now. So all that space in the front is just sitting idle. Um, it must be eerie. Yeah. It's very strange to be in there. It's a lot more quiet. It's peaceful. <laughs> yeah, Peaceful. I'm sure. Um, well, when Bobby was there, he mentioned that there's some projects like way off in the corner that you guys are working on, uh, maybe like years down the road, things like a, <laughs> like an old, uh, uh, like parking attendance booth, right. And, a and like this huge piece of a tree. Are you working on using this time to work on any of those big projects? <laughs> I think some of those, it would be nice to put some of those projects on the front burner again. Um, we don't know how long this is going to go on. And there was a period when we first had to shut down just of like retooling and really day by day trying to figure out what we were going to do for the rest of the week or the next week or whatever. So we spent a lot of time figuring that stuff out. Now we feel like we're in a pretty good rhythm. And if this does go on a bit longer, then, you know, it might be time to tackle some of those projects then again, they're great projects to have for the tap room. And if the tap room's not going to be around, but the projects require us to spend some money, it might not be a good idea to do that right now. Kind of just pumping the brakes and staying in survival mode, I guess. We're doing fine. I don't want to. I don't want to hype it up and and yeah, and give people the impression that we're on. You know. Uh, super thin tightrope could fail any day. Um, but we just need to be more careful now. Well, you mentioned the, the can, the can production and how important that has been to the business. Um, in the article we see, the, at that point, it looked like the, the canning line was, was relatively new. Right. And so I guess like how important has, has canning been for you guys? Uh, because your products are available in some of the the major stores, you know, places like Woodman's and and Ray's and, and others around town. So, um, how how important has canning been? Yeah, canning's been pretty huge for us. I'd say uh, if we didn't have it, we'd we'd be in trouble for sure. Um, but you know, we've been we've been canning, we've been brewing in the space now for over a year, uh, and we've been canning for coming up on a year uh, in May for our grand opening is when we launched uh, our our cans. So it's new, uh, but it's it's something that we have been dialing in. We we've been getting very confident on, and now that all of our production is going to cans. We're getting a lot more practice at it. So, you know, we're, we're happy that we've got it and we're, we're constantly working with our, our designers to come up with new labels for beers we want to make. Um, you know, not just brand new things, shots in the dark, but things that we had planned on launching anyway. Um, and so we're just trying to expedite that so that we can get some more stuff moving through the tap room, provide a little bit more variety for those retailers that have been so good to us over the year. And, Definitely for the customers who are who are not sick of drinking three beers, never will be, you know, Cream City Bricks all day, but might want to try something out different when the weather starts to get a little bit nicer and and uh, summer starts to hit. James, you and I uh, talked for another story about what we what the future uh, might look like after we've sort of moved on from this, and of course, nobody really knows when we'll move on or how we'll move on. Um, but could you talk a little bit about, about what you guys, uh, Tommy can, can comment too, um, about 
presume you guys are talking about what what things are going to look like on the other end, whenever that might be. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely. And you know, we're, you know, oddly enough, Tommy and I are talking about it. It seems like everybody is talking about it. So you know, not necessarily just folks in the brewing industry or or you know in the media or anything like that. But I've I've had long long conversations with my dad, who's actually a, a CFO of a of a bank. And he's got to face trying to open up branches again uh, that were previously closed. And, and it's been really bizarre having those conversations with your dad, who whenever you've got a business problem or something that comes up, you go to ask him and he's always got the answer. Now it seems like nobody knows. And, you know, here's cool ideas. There's cool ideas. Will this work? Will that work? And, you know, to the point of nobody really knows, 100% nobody really knows. But you know, if we can kind of come up with creative ways to safely invite people back into the brewery, that's something that I think Tommy and I both really want to do. And I think that's what everybody should be looking to do, emphasis on the safety. Um, one of the cool kind of ideas that, or I think is cool, ideas that we, we kind of threw around was once we do kind of start to get into, I think it's uh, phase two of the Badger bounce back plan where bars and restaurants can start to do some limited opening stuff. Um, we were thinking it might be fun if, if there was a group of, you know, 10 or 12, 15, up to 25 people that wanted to gather, they could rent time in the brewery for, you know, an hour, two hours, we could figure out a way to, you know, get them in safely, sanitize the whole place, maybe work on a payment that, um, kind of made an open bar. So no cash was being exchanged or no cards were being exchanged to kind of eliminate some risk for our staff. Um, and see if that would be a creative, fun way to invite people back in. Obviously, there's a million different things that we could do. Um, but I think the one thing that we want to try and avoid is just to open the door and pretend like nothing ever happened. So that that's going to be the biggest challenge, I think, is to come up with creative, unique, fun ways to safely get people out and about to try and, I don't know, restart socializing they hit the restart button on socializing that's it's kind of a kind of apocalyptic thing to say but it's kind of what it feels like do you guys feel like being in a building like that that has such a big history and has all these other sort of unique and diverse businesses does it make you feel like you're sort of part of a bigger thing in bayview by being in that building i think it is pretty special bayview has such a cohesive neighborhood attitude being in this type of building with the history that it has, I think reflects the spirit of the neighborhood and it's special. I would say that it makes us feel like we're not an Island. We're not alone. This is a super challenging time. And, you know, people are facing obviously like health crises and financial crises and just a lot of challenges in all aspects of their life. It's good to feel like we're not alone. There are other businesses in the same building as us that have their own unique challenges. And we're just by virtue of being in one under one roof, so to speak, um, we can mine advice from those other kinds of businesses. So, yeah, I would say that it's it's good to have people in the same building close by. It feels like we kind of have each other's backs. Well, wishing you both the best, and we can't wait to get back into the tap room in person. I'm sure I'm speaking for so many here in Milwaukee that can't wait to get back out and visit places like Enlightened Brewery. 
James Larson and Tommy Vandervoort. Thanks, guys, for joining us today. Cheers. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, guys. And our conversation continues next. We're going to talk about the really unique space that Enlightened Brewery occupies, along with all these other businesses in Bayview. That's next on Urban Spelunking. Nonprofit Radio Milwaukee is brought to you by you. A membership contribution is your personal commitment to music and Milwaukee. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org to check out your donor benefits and the thank you gifts to show off your 88.9 pride. And we're back on Urban Spelunking down at the Louis Alice Complex in Bayview. Bobby, where exactly is this in Bayview? So this is um, on the north side of Bay Street, which is sort of the north end of Bayview, and it runs for multiple blocks. It's a huge sprawling complex that was home for many, many years to the Louis Alice Company, which uh, made a big variety of uh, things there, but its main business was making small engines. And I thought this was really interesting that they were contracted back uh, during World War II, right? For for motors? Yeah, they were making motors for all kinds of things. For Yeah. So like a lot of Milwaukee businesses, including the Alice Chalmers Company, from which the uh, Louis Alice company, which it has a connection, you know, when Milwaukee was the machine shop of the world, a lot of industry here went over to making stuff for the military during the war. And of course, operations continued there for uh, many more years beyond that. So what kind of things were being produced besides motors? Uh, it was it was like heavy machinery, right? They made motors of all sizes, but really their, their main product was small electric motors, but they also made like these ginormous dynamos that were used to generate uh, power uh, things like that. They for a while they made exhaust fans and ventilating fans, and um, so there were always these sort of other little things that they had their hands in. But but motors was always their um, was always their main business. And I should say that even though that they uh, filed for bankruptcy and closed that plant in 1998, they were later bought out, um, and they still exist as a company in Alabama as like a subsidiary of a bigger bigger company. Say whatever they were doing there, it definitely seemed like it needed lots of space because yeah, you, you, now it's being it was it's been it's been occupied by so many different tenants doing such different kinds of work because there is so much space there. When you went on the tour, you went along with uh, the guys from Enlightened and even they were like surprised with how much was going on at that space. Upwards of like like 250 workers a day using different parts of the the site. Yeah, there's 300, just over 300,000 square feet at this site. It's literally huge. It's blocks and blocks. Um, and what was funny is we went, the owner of the building was there with us, and uh, it was Tommy and James and I, and we walked around. And what was funny is that there is so much going on that, like, they didn't even realize right on the other side of their wall was, like, this busy uh, loading dock that has semis going in and out all day. <laughs> It's just because there's just so much. And the, there's also like a, some sort of a healthcare company has offices there. Um, the Betty Brin has its Brin Labs there. Um, there's two theater groups that have their costume and shops and their, uh, their stage set building facilities and their prop storage there. Um, then you walk another few steps. There's a, a, a retail store selling like mid-century modern antiques. It's fun how uh, how different all these things are. Yeah, you go through another door and there's this giant, like huge open space where there's like sparks flying everywhere because they're working on steel. They're like welding steel 
and stuff. So it's, or cutting steel. It's just crazy how there's this really unusual dynamic because there's just these completely different businesses almost side by side in this one building. Um, but that it's so huge that a lot of them don't even realize the other ones are there. And back in the enlightened space, it looks like, uh, you know, as Tommy mentioned, so much of the space is dedicated to the tap room, which is vacant right now, but plenty of room in there when, when uh, business opens back up again, because just their tap space is, is really big, tons of seating. And I guess describe for those who haven't been, what's the, the inside of the enlightened tap room looking like? Well, it's interesting because if you've followed Enlightened uh, at all since the beginning, you know they started in a tiny, tiny space in the Lincoln Warehouse in Bayview that had no room for a tap room. And when they moved downstairs in that same building and actually had space to have any kind of tap room whatsoever, it seemed like such a massive expansion for them. Um, and now the new place has the tap room's got to be at least four times the size, I would think, three or four times the size of the previous tap room. Um, and it's nice because they there had been windows that were covered up and they opened up all those windows. Um, and so there's a ton of light in there. And there's, there's skylights, like uh, industrial building skylights through the whole top of the ceiling. Uh, so the place is really brightly lit. It's really like, uh, it's decorated in a really fun sort of way. Casual, lots of big tables, like sort of, Unfortunately, this is bad for the moment, right? These big group tables. Um, but it's it's definitely the kind of place people wanted to go before all this stuff happened. And one can only hope they'll want to go back there again when it's over. Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be uh, no shortage of uh, excitement around getting out of the house when this right? whole thing is over. And our, our tap rooms will be full again when that day comes. Uh, wishing the best to those guys, of course. I, I didn't want to embarrass Tommy during the interview, but I, I actually used to work with Tommy as a bartender like a decade ago. And uh, I remember when he first started brewing beer out of his home and I was, you know, part of that and going over to his place after work and tasting some of his new, uh, new creations from his home setup. And it's really been cool just as a friend and as a, as a pal of his to see, you know, him expand and, and together with James build this really cool brewing uh, little empire that got working there. So wishing him and all the other brewers, of course, the best in Milwaukee who are going through it right now. And you know, their beer is really good. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I definitely am, am, am aware. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you were enlightened early on. <laughs> I was enlightened early on. Yeah. Yes. Well, you can see pictures from inside the Louis Alice site. I think there's kind of a, a little bit of a mystique around what exactly happens on the North end of Bayview in that little pocket. So Go inside those buildings, see it for yourself, and of course, wishing the guys at Light and Brewing the very best as we get through this pandemic. Podcasts here in 88.9 produced by Kenny Perez. Handcrafted sonic inspiration comes from the License Lab with support from your membership and from On Milwaukee. You can subscribe to this podcast and all of 88.9's podcasts at radiomilwaukee.org slash podcasts on Spreaker, on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you find your podcasts, you can find 88.9's podcast there too and while you're there please do take a moment and like and subscribe and rate and review the podcast as well helps us to get our work out there to even more listeners it's on milwaukee's bobby tanzilla talk to you soon thank you nate